So, but anyway, I'm excited to give you this last message in this series. Um, our mission statement as a church is we exist to light up our world with the love of Jesus. That's our mission statement. We exist to light up our world with the love of Jesus. And so the question my wife and I asked um, when, we, when we put these core values and, and the Hendersons and, and us asked when we were forming these core values as a church is what, what does it look like to shine? What does a shining church look like? And what does a shining people look like? That's the question we asked. So these were the 10 things that we came up with um, that we felt like look like shining. So here they are. Number one, we love God passionately. This is a premier value of ours, is to love God and to minister to him through praise and worship. So we love God passionately. Number two, we are a family. Number three, we believe it's important to honor people. Number four, it's important, it's a cornerstone of our theology to believe that God is good. Number five, anything is possible. We believe that anything is possible. Number six, we rest in the finished work of the cross. Jesus came to purchase salvation for us, to, to, um, to redeem us to our created value. It purchased salvation and healing both physically and emotionally. Um, and we rest in that finished work of the cross. Number seven, we live generously. My wife did the message last week on living generously. And didn't she do a great job? Let's give her a hand. She mentioned something in her message about rocket surgery, if you guys would remember that. And I actually have a question for you. Um, and she wants to know this too. She wants to know, did you think that was an accident that she said rocket surgery? Because it's a combination between rocket science and, and brain surgery. So how many think it was an accident? And how many think like that she messed up? And how many think that was, okay, so how many think it was an accident? Okay that she just goofed. Now, how many think she did it on purpose? Okay, so there you have it. I would say it's a slightly more people thought you did that on purpose. So what's that? Oh, the, yeah. Yeah, and the truth is she, she meant to say that. So she, she, afterwards, we weren't sure if you were laughing with her or at her. So, and then later on in the week, she realized that. And I don't know, we just wanted to clarify. So or, she didn't make me say that, but I thought it'd be fun to say that. So we live generously. That was a great message that Emily did. Um, core value number eight, we serve wholeheartedly. And, and Jory did a message on living wholeheartedly. And she did an awesome job. And I, I don't think I ever gave you kudos for that. So good job, Jory, for that series. And just those things, living, um, how to live wholeheartedly so that we can serve wholeheartedly. Uh, number nine, we value the family of Christ. We're not in a competition with other churches in this city, in this town. We're co-laborers with other ministries and other churches. We love the other churches in this town. Um, and number 10, we will go. And this is the, the tagline for, for number 10, which we're going to be talking about today. We will go. We will shine the love of Jesus and share the good news of the gospel in our community and in our world. It isn't enough for us just to come together and have a great bless me club, right? right? Like, this is important. This is important that we're here and that we're gathering, and that we're building one another up, and we're mutually encouraged by each other's faith. But it's not enough for us to just come in here and do this. We actually need to be the church everywhere we go. Take what we have here in church and become the church everywhere we go. We want to get it outside of the four walls of this church. Amen? And so um, we're going to talk about the go of the gospel today. And I want to play a quick video for you which will help introduce the title of my message. So if you would play that, go ahead and roll that. They named him JB, that's my buddy's name. On the Jane and B, 
Don't even stand for anything. That's it. J.B. <laughs> so when he's 16, he tried to apply for his driver's license. He didn't want them to think that J.B. stood for anything. On application, he wrote, J. Only, B. Only, Stewart. It came back, J. Only, B. Only, Stewart. <laughs> I swear. He was going, look at this, Henry! <laughs> Jonely Bonely Stewart. <laughs> we still call him Jonely, too. And people always go, how'd he get that name? We're like, oh, we'll tell you. <laughs> this is how dumb he is, too, you know, on Star Trek, where it says, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Jonely thought Boldly Go was another planet. <laughs> I swear, watching it one night as kids, Joan just look, looks over and goes, When they going to Boldly Go? <laughs> what did you just say? They ain't never been to Bodley Go. <laughs> Why do we hang out? <laughs> so that's Joan the Bonely from Bodley Go. <laughs> I can't make that up. I am not that smart. All right, John Lee Bonely from Boldly Go. And so today we're talking about the go of the gospel and the title of my message is To Boldly Go. All right, John Lee Boldly from Boldly Go. To Boldly Go is the title of my message. And so how do we as a church shine the love of Jesus and share the good news of the gospel in our community and our world? How do we do this with boldness? So today I'm gonna to talk about how do we boldly how do we boldly, boldly go? How do we boldly go? All right. So look at your neighbor and say, how do we boldly go? All right. So I'm going to give you uh, three things. Number one, realize, this is the first one, realize that you are, you have been commissioned by Jesus. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. This is the verse, which is the great commission. Jesus said this. He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always, even to the very end of the age. All right? This is the Great Commission. Every Christian should understand the privilege and feel the responsibility of this verse. All right? Every Christian should, feel, should understand the privilege and feel the responsibility of this verse. If you don't feel that responsibility as a Christian to share the light and the love of Jesus and proclaim the gospel in the world, I want to sensitize you and make you feel a little bit uncomfortable today, okay? Every Christian should feel the responsibility to shine the light and love of Jesus and, and proclaim the gospel, okay? Making disciples and teaching people to follow everything Jesus commanded is our privilege and it's our responsibility as a believer. If you don't look at yourself that way, you don't think of yourself that way, you need to think of yourself that way if you're a Christian, all right? But check this out. It's not, he didn't say, it's not the great mission. It's the great co-mission, okay? And what is the difference? There's the co and the mission, which means you're not doing it alone, okay? God didn't just send us out like, here's your mission. 
go do it. He says, no, this is, I'm, I'm commissioning you. You're under his authority. You're with him and you're co-laborers. You're walking with God and you're, you're, we're co-reigning, co-reigning with Christ, right? Co-inheritors with Christ. And he sent us on this mission. It's, he's commissioned us. Amen. And so, and because he says, and surely I'm with you always to the end of the age, you're never going to be alone. Jesus said all, um, all authority was given to Jesus. And when you step out to be the light and to be love for Jesus and to be salt in this world, you're actually coming underneath his umbrella of authority. His authority has been given to me. And then he, then he says to us, now you go. So when you do that, you're actually commissioned by Jesus and you're actually come underneath his authority, which is a really cool thing. Yeah. Let me give you an example of authority. I'm coming underneath authority, being commissioned. Um, it's illegal. I don't know if you know this. You should know this if, it, if you don't. It is illegal to just run up to someone and have a street fight, right? It's illegal to just go, you know, if someone cuts you off in traffic, it doesn't really matter, like, what they say to you. If they don't attack you, like, you really don't have the right to just go up and punch them and fight them, right? You do have a right to defend yourself in self-defense, but you don't have the right to just go, go have a fist. Even if you guys have agreed, we're going to have a fist fight right here. Like, if someone gets hurt, you're still responsible for that, like, for that action, okay? But if you train and you compete as a fighter, it's possible um, to compete in a sanctioned fight, right? It's, it's possible to compete in a sanctioned fight. My wife and I did young adult ministry for, for nine years over in Loveland. We had a young girl named Macy Barber in our, in our young adult group. She was training and is currently training to be like a cage fighter, UFC fighter. She's B-A, so I'm not going to tell you what the A stands for, but she's... <laughs> But she's bad. My wife's shaking her head. Don't you do it. Don't you do it. And she'll never. So she's, she's undefeated. She's currently at professional level undefeated. She's fighting in the UFC. And she's fighting actually next month down in Denver. That's a, she, but she's fighting in what's it's a sanctioned fight. Like, what is a sanctioned fight? So in a sanctioned fight, there's actually rules, OK? Um, for example, you can't eye gouge. You can't groin kick. There's time limits. You can't kick a downed opponent. There's certain rules under a sanctioned fight. There's, people who can, there's different people who can stop the fight, right? Um, the referee can stop the fight. There's a ringside doctor that can stop a fight. Either of the corners, coaches, can step in and say, I don't want my fighter to continue. I, this is, um, how many people just watched the, the most recent UFC fights with uh, Conor McGregor and, and Khabib? Right? You did? Awesome. So there was a fighter who actually wanted to continue. He wanted to continue fighting, and he broke his hand, and his coach was like, you can't continue. I'm not going to let you fight with a broken hand. Because he's like, there's no way you're going to win at this point. You have to be at your, your peak level of conditioning. His coach actually stopped the fight. Or a fighter can say, I'm done. You know, He's not doing good. He's like, I'm, this is my fight. I'm, I'm done. So um, that's a sanctioned fight. They're commissioned. Um, there's, a, there's a commission that's over that. So so we just recently watched um, some UFC fights, and, and Conor McGregor and fought Khabib Nur... How do you say his name? Nurmagomedov. Okay. So it's a, hard, it's a hard name to pronounce. He's from Russia. Um, awesome fight, by the way. But I love it when trash talkers lose. So Conor McGregor is a big trash talker, and he got pounded, and it was awesome. So I <laughs> just want to throw that in my sermon. <laughs> if you don't remember anything else today, remember Conor lost. So... <laughs> He's a big trash talker. And so because of that, I don't usually like trash talkers. But listen, this was a sanctioned fight by the Nevada Athletic Commission. It was a good fight. But then after the fight, someone had said some racial, ethnic, religious thing to Khabib. And he went ballistic, jumped over the cage. And then a brawl ensues outside of, of the cage. Now listen, when they were inside of the cage, 
this was a sanctioned fight, right? It was under the authority of the Nevada Athletic Commission. As soon as he jumped outside of the cage, it became an unsanctioned fight, and then fines, fines become a thing, and, and, and uh, suspensions become a thing. Why? Because they jumped outside of what the rules of that sanctioned fight was, okay? So I want to pull this forward to our relationship with Jesus and this current situation that we're in in the world. Jesus said all authority has been given to him, and Jesus commissioned us to a sanctioned fight with darkness, Okay, so what is, our, what, is our, what is our playground? What is our sphere of influence? What is the, where can we go? Jesus said go in all the world. He commissioned us to a sanctioned fight with darkness going throughout all the world. And I just want to say, wherever you go, wherever you place your feet, you are in a sanctioned fight with darkness and, and God wants to shine light through you and for you to be overcomer wherever you go. Amen? You are commissioned, you individually, not just collectively us, you individually, are commissioned in a sanctioned fight with darkness. You need to see yourself this way. When we, when we come under this authority, um, we, can bold, we can preach the gospel with boldness. We can boldly live the way God wants us to. He said, in other words, when you go, you have heaven backing you up. When God gives you a commission, when God tells you to do something, you go to do it, you have heaven backing you up when you go to do it. You need to know you're not just out there by yourself. You're commissioned with Christ. You're co-reigning with Christ, right? And so now the caveat to this is don't be stupid. Like I have some people who are like, I got fired from my job. Why? Well, I'm being persecuted for being a Christian. Like, Tell me more about that. Well, I was preaching Jesus all the time, and, and my boss was like, you're not getting your work done, and I'm, I'm just being a light for the world, and my boss didn't like that, so I got fired, and I'm being persecuted for Christ. Well, listen, don't be stupid. Like, if your boss hires you to do a job, do the job better than anyone else, and then it affords you the opportunity where people actually want to listen to you, right? Like, some people say they're being, they're being persecuted for Christ's sake. Sometimes they're just being stupid. So do a good job. Do better than anyone else, and it'll afford you the opportunity and afford you influence, okay? So number one, realize your commission. How to boldly go. Boldly go. Number two, realize, um, okay, realize your commission. Number two, cultivate intimacy with Jesus. How do we have boldness? We need to cultivate, cultivate intimacy with Jesus. Let me read this verse where Peter, um, Peter and John uh, Acts 3, 1 through 10. It says, One day Peter and John were going up to the temple <clears throat> at the time of prayer, at three in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him and said, uh, as did John. Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Peter said, silver and gold do I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went um, with them into the temple courts, walking, jumping, and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging in the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Okay? Pretty awesome scenario here. Peter goes on after this and preaches a powerful and bold message to the masses. And it causes such a stir that the, the Sadducees and the Pharisees and the, the temple guard comes and they actually arrest Peter and they arrest John and keep him in jail overnight. The next day they come 
and um, they began to question them on what had happened and, and by what authority did they heal this man. And this is what they said. Verse th- and watch, read verses 8 through 13, but watch what happens in verse 13. It's really important. <clears throat> it says this, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we were being called into account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you have crucified, but whom God has raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus, the stone that the bu- you builders have rejected, has become the cornerstone. Salvation is, is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven to which mankind must be saved. Verse 13, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled and ordinary men, they were astonished and took note that these men had been with Jesus. The note that they had taken was, these were unschooled, ordinary men, but these men had been with Jesus. What happens when you take unschooled, ordinary fishermen from the countryside of Galilee and they hang out with Jesus for three years. They get courage, they get courageous, they get powerful, right? God, he reveals them who they are. And listen, this is, this is the same with you and me. When you hang out with Jesus, he can take an ordinary person and he can do extraordinary things through you. How many ordinary people do we have in the house? I'm an ordinary person. And I've spent a little bit of time with Jesus, and he's deposited some amazing things in me. Like he can take an ordinary you, an ordinary person, and he can do extraordinary things to you if you cultivate that intimacy with him. If you will cultivate that relationship with him, he will make you, if you're a timid person, he can actually make you a bold person. And if you're too bold of a person, he can actually taper that back a little bit. (laughs) Some of y'all need some tapering. But listen, he can take timid people and make them Bold. This is why Jesus changed Peter's name, right? His, his name used to be, mean a reed that was shaken to and fro, and then he gave him this name, now you're a rock, right? He, changed, he said, that's not your identity, your identity is a rock. From now on, you're going to be called Peter, okay? <clears throat> what happens when ordinary people hang out with Jesus? They, do, they become powerful, and they can do extraordinary things through him. But what happens if you try to do extraordinary things, and you've never cultivated that intimacy with Jesus, have you ever, have you ever uh, stepped outside of like what God has told you to do? It doesn't always go well. I just want to tell you that. It's really important to know he's, the parameters and the things he's called you to. Check this out. You guys remember the seven sons of Sceva in Acts chapter 19? All right, I'm going to read this. This is such a fascinating portion of scripture to me. Acts 19, 13 through 16, it says this. Some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say... In the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. (laughs) Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish priest, were doing this. On one day, the evil spirit answered them. By the way, you know you might be in trouble when the evil spirit answers you. (laughs) Evil spirit answered them. Jesus I know, and Paul I know about, but who are you? Who the heck are you? (laughs) The demon answers you. In the name of Jesus, I know Jesus. And I've heard of Paul, but I don't know who you are. Who the heck do you think you are? Verse 16, then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. 
This is one guy, verse 7. They, he went like full Khabib on all these. <laughs> full on Khabib on these guys. Beat up seven guys. <laughs> and listen, and if you look at the Greek word here, he says, Jesus I know. In other words, and that, that Greek word means Jesus I have first-hand knowledge of. So this demonic spirit is talking about the ancient of days. I mean, these, these demons are, you know, as old as this world. Jesus is the ancient of days, the uncreated living God. So he was very much acquainted with who Jesus is. He says, Jesus I have first-hand knowledge of. Paul I know about. His, his reputation actually precedes him. He says, but you, you have no reputation in the spirit realm. You have not gone before. You have no reputation in the spirit realm. And listen, I think that we can live in such a way um, when we're a praying people, when we're a worshiping people, when we're people that are following the, the, the anointing, when we're people that are following the presence and the power of God, that our reputation actually in the spirit realm will precede us. And, and, the, and the, the um, rulers of darkness actually see you coming. Like, oh, that one has light all over him. I'm just going to, let's go this way, you know. <laughs> right? There's a way that we can live where the Bible actually says, the Bible says that for we are to God, the fragrance of Christ. Like when God looks at you, he sees Jesus. If there was a fragrance coming from you, it's the fragrance of Christ. For we are to God, the fragrance of Christ. Listen, it is the same way with darkness. For we are, when we are in this world, we are as he is, right? And so when we're walking with the spirit of God and us following Jesus, we are as Jesus is in this world. We are light in this world. Darkness sees us coming dark. And what does light do to Darkness. It pushes it out. Have you ever seen darkness come in the room and push light out? Never, because, because light overpowers darkness. Light dispels darkness. If you spend time with Jesus, the force of darkness will know we are to God the fragrance of Christ. So we need to cultivate that intimacy. This will create boldness within our lives. It'll create boldness when we cultivate intimacy with God. Amen? Okay, so how to boldly go? Number one, realize your commission. Number two, cultivate intimacy with Jesus. It makes a difference when you pray for people and you have intimacy with Jesus. Amen. <clears throat> you can just tell. You can tell the difference. You can tell someone who has spent a little time in prayer, who spent a little time in the word, who spent a little time when they pray for you. It's just more powerful, okay? And we want to be powerful people, don't we? I do. Okay. Number three, the last one, and more, a little bit more on this. The last one is be spirit-led. And what I want to say about this is, the go of the gospel for you might look different than the go of the gospel for me. When the Lord laid it on our hearts to start um, a new church, we, had, we, like, we knew the next thing for us was to start a church. We were, we were willing to relocate. We were like, I think we're going to end up moving to a different state. And so we visited three different cities and three different states and three different time zones. But then we actually in the end, realized that our, our go of the gospel was to stay here in Greeley. And so our go of the gospel was to say yes to Greeley. But I want to say, even in that, there was a price to pay for that. Because when we said yes to Greeley, we said no to a whole lot of other things. Right? When you step into what, because how many omnipresent people do we have here? <laughs> Not a one, right? You occupy your seat. Aren't they comfortable? Anyway, <laughs> you occupy that seat that you sit in. You, you cannot be more than one place at one time, unlike God, right? So it's important for us to know the specific gifting calling that God has for us. And when he says, I've called you to this place, you've actually said no to a whole lot of other things. And so sometimes it's, sometimes it's as important to know what we're not called to do than what we are called to do. 
And um, we used to see this a lot with young people. They just could not figure out what they're supposed to do, and they're trying to do a little bit of everything. That's not so bad, but um, it's really important if you, if you figure out what God's called you to do. The go of the gospel for me was to say yes to Greeley. We said yes to Greeley. There's a lot of other things we had to say no to. This was actually a weighty thing for us because we're like, we're saying no to a lot of other things, and we're like, we think this could be 10, 20, 30 years for us. Like, we could be retiring in Greeley because we said yes to starting City Lights Church here. All right? And so, um, um, about the same time that we planted this church, we had a friend, a little bit before us, maybe six months before us, we had a friend who planted a church in Hawaii. And uh, I was like, <laughs> God, why didn't you call us to Hawaii? You know? There, I don't watch South Park, but I heard someone say this. Um, there's a South Park episode where they called Greeley the opposite of Hawaii. <laughs> I, I'm like, my friend's called to Hawaii, and I'm called to the opposite of Hawaii. <laughs> For the record, I actually love Greeley. This is where my heart is. And I don't like when people talk bad about Greeley, but I, I love Greeley, and God's called us here. But listen, Paul, Paul had the go of the gospel in his heart, and I want to show you how Paul was still spirit-led in the go of the gospel. Okay, Acts 16, chapter 6 through 10. It says, Paul and his companion, companions traveled throughout the region of Pergama and Galatia, having been kept, watch this, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word of God in the providence of Asia. Verse 7, when they came to the border of uh, Misa, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Misa and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. Verse 10, after Paul had seen the vision, he got ready at once to leave from Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Okay. It's not that God didn't love the providence of Asia, right? Or, or, or Bethina. But, but God knew Paul was one man who could occupy one place at one time, Paul and his companions, of course. Right? And God knows that you're one person who can occupy one place at one time, and this is why we need to be spirit-led in what God has called us to do. A good example I like to give people, Paul had the go of the gospel. Jesus said, go, go in all the world. And Paul said, that's my commission, I'm called to the Gentiles, I'm going. Paul had the go of the gospel. I think we need to live our lives that way. Jesus said, go, let's go. But then it's like a, a rudder on a ship. If you're sitting still and you're a ship, that rudder doesn't do anything for you. It, it will not steer you in any direction. But if you say, I'm obeying the master's command and I'm going, if the rudder is, is aiming the ship a different direction, guess what? That ship will start to turn that direction. And if you set out one direction and, G, and for Jesus and, and living your life to, you know, to serve him, and God wants you to go in a different direction, guess what? By your steps moving forward, he will actually steer you in the right direction. Some people are so paralyzed by fear, they're just like, I'm not going to do anything until God tells me what to do. And they're just sitting still, and they won't move until they have, like, you know, the very end of the story from the beginning of the story. And by faith, God wants us to step out and just start serving him. So listen, where do you start? You know, I've, I've explained to you there's a responsibility on each of us to share the light and love of Jesus. That seems overwhelming to some people. That seems daunting to some people, doesn't it? And so you don't have to, listen, you don't have to wake up in the morning and conjure up, like, okay, I have to... I have, to, I have to conjure up a way to, to witness here and get yourself all worked up. I remember hearing uh, Mike Bickle was telling a story when he was a young man in the Lord. 
There was like a few things he tried to do every day, like read the, the Bible, I don't know how much he's trying to read every day, and pray for one hour a day. This is where, I think this is what his mentors told him to do. Read the Bible every day, pray for one hour a day, and witness every day. Like share your faith with Jesus every day. So he was doing that. And then one night he was, went to bed and realized like, oh no, I didn't witness today. I read my Bible, I prayed for an hour, but I haven't witnessed anyone. So he's, oh gosh, okay, I gotta get up and witness. So he gets out of bed, and he's at a campus or whatever, and he finds someone, he's like, do you know Jesus? And the person's like, no. Do you want to know him? No. He's like, good. And he went back to bed. <laughs> Do you know Jesus? No. Do you want him? No. Okay, good. I'm going back to bed. <clears throat> so it's not like that, okay? It's not like that. But listen, if you wake up in the morning and you say, God, I know that you want me to shine in this world. I know you want to change this world I live in. I know you want to use me. And God, I'm just asking for divine appointments. I'm asking for you, God, to connect me with people that you want to speak to. I promise you he will do that. I promise you he will connect with people that speak words of life to. Where am I? Okay. <laughs> so Emily and I, we had the go of the gospel in our hearts. But God, the Holy Spirit prevented us from planting in Las Vegas. The Holy Spirit prevented us from planting in Flagstaff. We were prevented from planting in Austin, Texas. And then we felt a confirmation in our hearts that Greeley was the time and the place. But listen, we were willing to go and we were making steps towards that. We were making steps towards going. It's the same thing with you in your life. As you just make those steps to follow God, you make those steps to serve him, he will actually, he will direct you. It is, it is his will. How many know God wants to direct your steps? He wants to guide your steps, amen? And he will do that for you, but it's best if you're actually taking steps to try to follow him. That's when, he, that's when he'll move. Okay, so <clears throat> the Great Commission says go, but then there is like a super commission in each of our lives, okay? And God has called us each to a specific post. You were called to man a specific post. Emily feels this very strongly. She talks about being in this city and where God has called us to be. And I'm even, as a, as a pastor, I know like God has called us to the city. A lot of pastors do like tons of traveling and stuff like that. I just feel, I feel such a responsibility to man my post here in Greeley. Like, I don't even want to do that. We just feel this responsibility to be in this city, to pray for this city. And, and I'm, what I, my heart for you this morning is that wherever God has you, you would just feel ownership of that place that he has you. You would feel that you are actually manning a post. And if you don't do the thing God's calling you to do, like something would be missing, okay? I want that for you guys this morning. There's a specific post for you to man. After, after the resurrection, uh, Jesus, Jesus appears to his um, apostles. Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 8, we're landing the plane here. It says that they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, at this time are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the, the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. He didn't really answer their question. He said, are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And he says, um, it's not for you to know these times, but I'll give you power. And I just want to say in our own lives, we might not have all the answers from start to finish, right? God doesn't guarantee, we're not, um, we're not um, all-knowing, right? God doesn't give us all the answers, but what he does say is I'll give you power. Right? He, does, he will give you power to fulfill your calling. He will give you power to do the things he's called you to do. 
I think of this in this verse, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. I think of, I think of Greeley as like Jerusalem, right? I'm calling you to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the other parts of the earth. For me, my Jerusalem is Greeley. My Judea is Colorado. My Samaria is the United States of America. And then there's the ends of the earth. And listen, as a church, we want to shine the light and the love of Jesus in Greeley, in Colorado, in the United States, and in our world. And listen, some of you will stay here. And some of you will go through, to, throughout Colorado. Some of you will go throughout the United States. Some of you will go to the uttermost parts of the world to share the gospel. By the way, if you've never been on like um, an overseas missions trip, I, I encourage you to do that at least once. Even if you're not called to missions, I encourage you to do that at least once just to see what's outside of this place that we live. And then you'll come back and know how awesome it is. Okay. But listen, some of you aren't called to go to all the world, but some of you are called to stay here and serve in the marketplace and make money and finance the kingdom of God. So you can't maybe send yourself, but you can send dollars on behalf of yourself. Amen. Matthew chapter five, verses four through 16. Jesus said this, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Notice what he didn't say. He didn't say you are the light of the church. Right? He didn't say, we're the light of the church. He said, you are the light of the world. And then he says, he says, take that light, take that light and shine it. Take that light and shine it everywhere you go. Okay? So in order to do that, we need to get this, we need to get what we have here. We need to get it outside of the four walls of the church. And we need to do that everywhere we go. And God will release boldness in our lives. Amen? Why don't you guys stand on your feet? I'm going to pray over you, and then we'll I'm have Emily close here in a second. So, Father, I thank you for every person here, Lord God. I pray, I pray, God, for the boldness of the gospel. God, I pray that we would see ourselves as commissioned, Lord God. We would cultivate that intimacy with Jesus, Lord God. We'd be led by your Holy Spirit, Lord God. And I just pray for anyone here, because um, just this is a core value of our church. We want to be a shining church. We want to be a church that lights up the world with the love of Jesus. And I just pray for anyone here who's bogged down with um, intimidation, Lord God, and doesn't see themselves, Lord God, as a conduit of grace, as a conduit to bring your light into this world, Lord God. I pray, Lord God, for just boldness to break in on their lives, God, today in Jesus' name, Lord God. And we ask for this um, in Jesus' name. We love you. We bless you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Such a good word. Yeah.